So I'm so glad you're here today. And we're not going to be here very long today. And normally I would joke about how, ha ha, that's what preachers say, and then they go 50 minutes. But legit, we're not going to be here long because we have so many cool things we're going to be doing today. We're going to be praying for students who are about to start school, or I guess in the case of IUP, have already started school. Um, you know, the high school, I believe, also started last week, and so did the middle school. So we're going to be praying for those students. We're going to be having communion. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're not going to be here very long. Um, my, my goal with this series, like with any series, um, and I, I would assume my colleagues who are also teaching elders would say the same, my goal is to establish uh, continuity between what God has already revealed through my colleagues, um, what he has revealed to you all in your personal study, right? Um, but also, uh, in addition to continuity with the previous series and continuity with the overall theme for the year, we want to make sure that we highlight God's faithfulness in all of it, right? And, and this is oftentimes a challenge for me because as I'm preparing messages, usually how I initially get the download, not because something's wrong with God, but something's wrong with my downloader, um, I oftentimes hear it as, Hannah, you need to do something different. Something wrong with you. Not you specifically. But I often hear it like, we need to do this or God's not going to do this. It's oftentimes how I hear it. And then I have to check that against what truth is saying, right? Not that we don't have responsibility, but I have to check that against what God is saying and what truth is saying. And, and I, I realize God often initiates all of it, right? And then I respond. I don't have this burden or this pressure of doing something and then he'll love me. I don't have this burden or this pressure of doing something and then he'll accept me, right? Other than me believing in who he says he is, he's doing most of the heavy lifting, right? So if I hear something and I go, oh, I'm going to talk about that, oftentimes um, I have to then go, Lord, what are you actually saying? Because I thought I heard it this way. But after, you know, some thinking, this feels a little wrong. This feels a little bit more laborious on my part. This seems like a lot of work that, you know, we're going to have to do in order for us to realize something special. Um, and, you know, I want to be cautious of that, right? So with this series, again, going back to the continuity principle, I had to say, okay, what, what could I glean from what was just taught last, last four weeks in our series, Hidden Treasure. What could I pick up from that that's, you know, not necessarily worth continuing, haha, not intended, truly not intended pun, um, but what can I pull from that that's worth talking about further, right? And one of the things that I particularly enjoyed uh, about the series, the previous series, was that Judah was saying, not that God's hiding stuff in a mean or evil or manipulative way about himself, but rather that you experience God when you pursue him, which then didn't work because, again, most times when I download a message, I, I essentially download it as something that's workspace. But I heard that, and I didn't hear it as something that was workspace. Instead, I heard it as I'm making a choice. I'm always pursuing something. My, my, my life, your life, we're always going towards something. And I can choose whether I'm going to go closer to God 
draw closer to him, ask him more about himself, learn more about him, or I could choose to go other places. But I'm always moving forward. My life is always continuing until it's not continuing. You know what that means, right? Jameson smiled like, you're dead. But as long as I'm alive, my, my life is moving towards something, right? And, and I can choose to pursue him. And when I do, he is so kind and faithful. And he says, hey, Rosie, you've drawn yourself towards me. I want to show you something else that you didn't know before. I want to show you something else special about me. I want to give you a deeper understanding of who I am. I want you to see how much deeper my love goes than what you even thought before. And you thought it was deep before. But I want to show you it goes so much deeper. Like, I see that in Hidden Treasures. I see that, again, he's not hiding himself like, I hope they don't find me. No, he's hiding himself and he's saying, I wonder who's going to come seek me when it's not so easy, when it's not so apparent. Who's going to desire my heart so much so that not out of fear of, of being destroyed, not out of fear of being wrong, but out of a joy of knowing me will pursue me, even when it's not so easy. And so I took that and I said, all right, what can we build on for the next two weeks? Because we know that our pursuit, our willingness to know God is a prerequisite to us knowing him in a deeper way, right? If we have established that, then what happens when it's not so, it's, it's not about it being hard to see him because he has hidden himself, but rather it's hard to see him because the pursuit becomes difficult right? I don't mean like, hey, he's not making it easy to see him. I mean, in my effort to see him, I start running into uh, uh, inclement weather, rough trail, right? Where where now I got to work just a little bit harder to choose him over everything else because everything else is easy to choose. But the way to him, the way to life, I hear is narrow, right? And and, and so this way to him, the way to life, the way to truth, the way to God is not so easily traversed. So what happens when I face difficulty, I face trial, will I endure? Will I continue to say that pursuing him is worth it? Because there's times where it may not always feel in the moment, like it's worth it. To operate under the rules and standard operating procedures of the Christian doesn't always feel worth it. When someone's mean to me at work, when somebody is despitefully using me and I wish to use the tactics of this world, this life, to respond... When somebody's speaking of me illy and I, and I want to punch them in the face, I'm sorry I still have that temptation. I don't know if you do. I don't always want to do things the way God does them and respond the way he wants me to respond. But in so choosing his way, though it may be more difficult, I find it's always worth it. I find that even though it may be more difficult and it's not as desirable, that responding in the way that he's called me to respond and responding in the way that he's modeled in his son, that I'm going to learn something cool about him and might even learn something cool about myself. That my pursuit of him will reveal who I truly am. So I need to pursue. 
Now, when I thought of this, for whatever reason, and I still haven't fully gained understanding as to why this is, I think God's going to continue to reveal this over time, but over the last few days, weeks, what kept coming to mind was the story of Hannah in the Old Testament. Now, there's several Hannahs, so I'll specify the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, the mother of who we know to be Samuel, so the namesake of the book, prophet of Israel, the last judge of Israel, priest and a prophet, the person who ushered in a kingly reign in Israel, despite protest. That's what the people wanted. This mother is who I kept thinking about. And I'm like, I'm not a mom. Why do I keep thinking about Hannah? I've never been barren. What's going on? Why do I keep? And I recognize that her story provides a backdrop for how one could say, I don't know if this is worth it. Give you some background. Hannah, Hannah is one of two wives, not endorsing polygamy, but just hear me out. One of two wives of the man Elkanah, okay? And Hannah doesn't have any children nor the ability to do so. Right? She, it says her womb was closed up. But the other wife in the household, Penina, and forgive me if I didn't pronounce that correctly. It felt like a Penina to me. It, it might be something a little different. But Penina was able to have kids. So forget all the other details other than one could and one couldn't. And in that time, and we could argue even this time, when a woman cannot have children, specifically in that time, her worth was seen as less than. She had less value because she couldn't produce children that would then do labor and increase the value of the estate. She couldn't produce people that would take care of them, the, the parents, later on in life. She couldn't show her bountifulness. And so as a result, many would see Hannah and they would say, she's not worth it. She has no value. Now, what's cool about the text is in 1 Samuel, we see that Elkanah, despite Hannah's low estate and not being able to have children, still loves her. He actually prefers her from the other woman, Benina. This actually plays out again with Jacob earlier in Scripture, where Jacob really, really loves Rachel, but Leah's having all the kids to start us out. And so there's this weird thing where this husband loves Hannah, but we don't quite understand why. He just has an affection towards her. And I, I kept seeing this story, and I'm going, well, God, why do you want me to talk about this? This doesn't make any sense. I mean, her life starts off pretty crummy. That, why would that make sense to even talk about? It's kind of a bummer. She wants to give her husband an heir, but she can't. And her value's low because of this. She has a rival in the household who's telling her how much she sucks every day. Why? why where's the encouragement in this? Why, why talk about it? And what I found really cool, and this is why it's relevant, I love that despite all of these things going on in Hannah's life, she says, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. 
I'm going to talk to my God about my situation. I'm going to go every year, and actually several times a year, whenever it was customary to go to the temple and make sacrifice. I'm going to meet with my God even though I'm not necessarily getting what I want and my situation and lot in life is not ideal. I'm going to continue to pursue him because he's worth it. And of all the people I could talk to about my situation, he alone is the only one who can do something about it. He alone is the only one who can sustain me. He alone is the only one who can change me from barren to bountiful. He alone is the only one who can give me satiety. He alone is the only one who could love me and his love would actually change my countenance. He alone. And then I go, oh, that's worth it. That's worthy of talking about. Because in life, there's so many situations that would have you say, this whole pursuing God thing isn't all it's cracked up to be. I don't know if I should continue doing this. This is getting rather difficult. But I love Hannah's example because she never once gives up on her relationship with God, despite the fact that I would argue she has some grounds for at least questioning the decision. And many of you in this room may not be barren, but you might have other areas where you're not, you're not experiencing fruitfulness. You might have other areas in your life where you're not enjoying the life that you desire. And as a result, you might think, well, does God love me? Does he hear me? I mean, I've been asking him for this thing for so long. And I feel like it's a reasonable thing to ask for. So why isn't he responding? Why isn't he giving me what I want? And you might draw the conclusion that as a result, he's not worth it. But Hannah doesn't draw that conclusion. Hannah also doesn't try to seek her own devices. She's not trying to do something else to fix her problem. You don't see her make the same decision, or I would argue mistake, right, that Sarah makes or Sarai makes years before where she gives up her servant to do this. Like, Hannah's not doing anything to try to change the circumstance. She's saying God's the only one. God is the only one. I'm not going to do anything to manipulate this situation. God is the only one I can trust, the only one who can deliver me, the only one who can change my circumstance, the only one who can silence my enemies. God is him. So I'll pursue him. And if he doesn't give me what I want, guess what I'm going to do, Rosie? I'm going to pursue him. Because if nothing else, I have him. And that's worth it. Even if I don't get exactly what I want. Now, I'm not saying this so that you think that you'll never get the things that you ask God for, because that's false. But he's not giving you everything you're looking for because you think you need it. Rather, I think God shows us what we actually indeed need. We find that what we need most is him. What we need only is him. So while he might give you some of the things you asked for, Michael, like you might say, I want to win a competition. That's cool. Nothing wrong with asking for that. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you don't need to win the competition to be whole. You need him. It's not wrong to ask. He loves you. He's listening. But you don't need that. Over the last couple of months, I was asking for a new job. And it's not wrong that I asked for a new job. 
wanted something that would challenge me in a new way. I wanted something that I would enjoy, that would bring me fulfillment. Nothing wrong with that. But if he doesn't give it to me, I have him. So I have enough. I want to, I want, I want to change in career, right? I, I, I want my kids to listen to me. I, I, I want to have more savings. I, I want to make sure that I have a fully funded retirement. I want all these things that aren't necessarily bad things, and you can ask him for them. But at the end of the day, I think God is showing us that if we get none of those other things in our pursuit of him, that he alone makes that pursuit worth it. Hannah goes to the temple with no real promise that she's ever going to have a child. Instead, she says, if you move in this way, I'm going to give the child to you. So it's weird because she's asking that her situation changes. She's asking that, salut. She's asking that she will no longer be barren. But then at the same breath says, if you do this, I'm going to dedicate this child to you. Not actually going to have this kid that I'm asking for in my home. Instead, I'm going to give him to you because ultimately you're enough. And she keeps her promise, which is awesome. And, and he keeps his faithfulness intact, which is awesome. And it's amazing. And that's not even what we're going to dig into that deep. But I just want you to know that that's, that's where all of this started to come from is like, man, life is difficult. And Jesus even says as much in John 16, where he says, in this life, you will face trials. And that just doesn't seem like the best marketing pitch for wanting people to join your cause. It just doesn't seem like the thing that might help you to galvanize a voting base. It doesn't seem like the thing that's going to cause you to get people that want to row the way you're rowing is to say, hey, this life's going to be fraught with problems. It's going to stink sometimes. And yet he says it. But how does he end it? Anybody know? But be of good cheer because I have what? Overcome the world. So I find it interesting that he tells us we're going to have these trials, which if you look at at least the notes in my Bible and you look at most of the scholars, they'll say that these trials could be translated or understood as tests. We're going to have these tests, he tells us, these situations that are not ideal, these situations that are difficult. But in having these tests, we realize how much more he's overcome the world. We realize that our strength may be insufficient, but his strength is available and is all sufficient. I feel, no, I know that in trial, if I respond by saying, I will pursue you anyway, I'll pursue you no matter how difficult it is, I know that I'm going to learn more about him than if I didn't pursue. And so the principle of hidden treasure is saying, hey, I must go after him because these things are not readily known. They're not just available for everybody, but I must pursue it. I must go after it. I must go with my whole heart, as Jeremiah states. I must go with my whole heart seeking him and that I will find him, right? If, if I know that that's the case, then when trials are coming, that's not going to change. Hannah goes with her whole heart. We're encouraged to also go with our whole heart when things go wrong, when things get difficult, when the road gets bumpy. I had an experience recently um, on vacation where I got to hike. I got to hike this trail, and I don't hike. 
you guys are laughing because you know, like, I'm known for hand sanitizer at, at men's cookouts. I'm known for not liking outhouses and not wanting to go to the bathroom. I'm, I'm known for liking ESPN and being inside where it's climate controlled. I'm not incapable of sweating. I can sweat and I like working out, but rather I don't really love difficult things, right? When it gets too humid, I'm like, eh, I'm over this, right? I like my comfort. Maybe you do too. But I chose voluntarily during my vacation to do something difficult. And there were several moments during this hike, because we ended up hiking three different trails that were consecutive. There were several moments where people said, hey, if you continue, it's not worth it. You're not going to see anything special. We were on the, uh, what was it? The Mount Britain Trail, the Mount Britain Trail. And we're on that trail. And the whole thing that makes that trail worth it is at the end, there's this really nice tower on this hillside. And when you get to the top of it, you can see all of the tropical rainforest below you. And the pictures are going to be dope, man. Instagrammable photos. That's what the tour even said. If you want some Instagrammable photos, take this trail. You'll get to see some really cool stuff. And so we walked the trail. And Felicia and I get to like maybe 75% through the trail. And somebody says, hey, it's under construction. So sorry, you don't get to go see the tower today. And we're like, what? We just did this for nothing? <laughs> This is garbage. That wasn't worth it. But somebody said, hey, you should still walk a little bit further because while you can't see the tower today, if you go just a little bit further up this road, about maybe uh, 0.2 miles or 0.2 kilometers, you'll be able to get to the top of this road path. And when you get there, you'll be able to have a better view. So you won't get the pictures you would have got on top of Mountain Britain Tower, but you'll still get to see something really cool we said, oh, okay, we'll walk a little further. Well, we continued to walk just a little bit further, and then we get there, and we're ready to settle because, like, he was right. The pictures were a little nicer. But then we see these people coming out of the next trail, the spur, and they're like, man, if you go a little further, it's so what? Worth it. So we go, all right, a little further? Because that was hard. It was a little difficult. My knees hurt. I don't know. And they're like, no, 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 trust me. Go a little further. It's awesome. So we go a little further. And after the second trail, the spur, it decides to do what tropical rainforests do. It rains. Like profusely. <laughs> like obscene amounts of water. It rains. And you know what that does to hiking trails, right? I mean, I'm not an expert. I've only done it like once. I'm just saying, you know what that does to trails, right? It makes them more difficult. They become slippery, right? It's a little bit more arduous. The path that was just so steady that I could put my foot on is now not so steady. And my, my, my uh, uh, not, not Uggs, I'm going to say Uggs. I don't wear Uggs. My, um, what do you call it? What do I call those things? Fee, where you at? Um... My, my, not Crocs, no. What do you call those things? This is important. It's critical for the message. Say it again. Muck boots. Thank you, Ty. I love you. So my muck boots that were so easily grabbing the ground before, now they're getting stuck in this clay and this mud and they're slipping. And I don't know if you've heard me say this before, but I've had an ACL reconstruction. So anytime I start to slip or move, I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. 
because I don't want another surgery. So it's raining, and I'm like, I don't know if we should go any further. We saw a lot of cool stuff. This is great. We even saw like an outside oven. I don't even know why it was there. I assume the indigenous, they used to live there, cook there at some time, because I knew it wasn't like a grilling pavilion. But there was like this big oven. Felicia has a picture. It's really cool. And we saw that. And I'm like, cool, we saw an oven. Let's go back. It'd be safer this way. We saw outside oven. That's really cool. Let's go back. But then somebody comes out of the trail a third time. They come out of a higher part. They come out of a trail that actually goes to the top of the mountain. And they said it was worth it. I'm like, dang it. I'm over this experiment. I don't want to do this anymore. It's getting hot. It's rainy. It's muddy. Is there anything opposite of a city boy? But Felicia and I decided it was worth it. And I am so, so glad we did. See, because we went from being under this pavilion with this outside oven that had all this moss on it that I'm sure no one's fired up for a long time. to going through this path where like it got a lot more difficult and a lot more steep. And at one point, we're pretty confident we saw stairways to heaven. Right. I mean, like it it was just like like way up and then you just saw clouds at the top and it was like, okay, we're here. Right. We know we can't get in yet, but we're here. And we go up these steps and it was difficult. And like our quads and hamstrings are firing. Yes, I like muscles. And we get to the top and we get to see this view that made every step, every slip, every amount of drop of water that hit our clothes, every being oversaturated, the fact that my muck boots are still not clean and we've washed them three times since. I mean, like the mud and the muck that's, that's like, you know, laced into the muck boots at this point is crazy. But all of it, every bit of straining, every bit of climbing, every bit of fighting, my urge to stop was proven worth it. And so I look at Hannah's story in 1 Samuel, and I see that she continues to go to the temple, even though her condition doesn't change year after year. But she says, God is worth it. And I look at my experience on the mountain, and I'm climbing further and further, despite people telling me, stop moving. You ain't going to be able to get to the top of the tower. And I got to go higher than the tower because the mount we reached was several hundred feet above this tower. And I got to see something that was worth it. And here's what I want to tell you, that if you're pursuing God and if it gets difficult, understand that regardless of the difficulty, it is always what? Worth it. It's always worth it. I don't care what the circumstance is. He is always worth it. But... But trials suck. They don't feel good. Better yet, let's, let's read a little bit about trials. Can we pull up James? Yeah, yeah, how, how'd you guys know? You were like, we're in sync. I love this. In James, it says this, and we're not going to read the first verse right now. It says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Well, actually, say, say it too. Say it too for a moment. I'm not trying to do that. You all smile when bad things happen? 
Do you? I don't. So what is it saying? Consider it all joy. Consider it a really good thing, a beneficial thing when bad stuff happens, when difficulty comes up, when it gets more challenging to walk that path. Consider it all joy. And I've read several, several interpretations of this, several scholars talking about it. And what I've gleaned is it's not saying that you have a joker smile as bad stuff is happening. And all this bad stuff's happening. And people can see bad stuff's happening. Maybe not to you, but around you. And you're just... Because that would be weird. A few people at my university lost their positions this year. We, we are doing something called right-sizing. Okay, where IUP used to be a lot larger and it's not so large anymore. And so some people have lost their positions because we can no longer afford to have a staff that was sufficient for 15,000 students when we now have 8,800 students, give or take. So people are losing their jobs. People who are doing really, people who have done really good work, people who really care about students, but unfortunately, we just cannot afford to keep them. That's not something that's cool. I don't love seeing my friends go. Some of them weren't my friends, but that's a different conversation. But I don't love seeing my friends go. So if I have a joker smile at work, because Jameson and I work together, if I have a joker smile like this, when I read the email, this will make a fart. Look a little weird, right? So-and-so is no longer with us. Their last day is... Be weird. Don't do that. But here's the cool part. This trial, this test... It's testing something, right? So what is it testing? Well, if we go on, we recognize it's testing our faith. I don't want my faith tested. Hannah Kimmel, you don't get a choice. I don't want my faith tested. Ned, you don't get a choice. You don't get to choose if your faith's tested. And furthermore, things that are important get tested. Things that matter get tested. I started to look up some examples. Did you know that before we could use any steel in a construction project, particularly if it's military related, that the tensile strength of that steel is tested? Before it's ever used in any planes, any ships, any tanks, it's tested? Because we have to know what it's capable of handling. And the companies that produce the steel for the federal government, for the military specifically, they test it so that they're not liable for the malfunction of the things made with the steel that was not tested. So they test it under high temperature and they stretch it and they strain it and they do impact testing to make sure it can withstand what they say it can withstand. So I don't like when my faith is tested, but when it is, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. I probably need my steel to be enduring, right? So I probably... Knowing that the testing of your faith, the thing that ushers in grace in your life, we have been saved by faith through grace. Or, sorry, we've been saved by grace through faith. My access to grace comes because of my faith and the one who is faithful. I want that tested. 
I want to know that my faith is going to hold up, that my conviction that he is God and that he died for me, I want that to hold up in the midst of pressure and strain and temperature. I don't want that to fail. It's too important for it to fail. But it's uncomfortable when it's tested. It's uncomfortable when I go through difficulty. It's uncomfortable when people treat me despitefully. It's, it's uncomfortable when work colleagues are losing their jobs. It's uncomfortable when I'm hearing about interest rates going up. It's uncomfortable. My friend just yesterday posted this image on Instagram of the fact that it's so much more difficult now to find safe housing, whether it be an apartment or a house, because of rates, because of availability, because of prices. And he posted it, and I sent him a message, and I said, why did you, why did you post that? It seems pretty down. Like, that's a bummer. And he goes, well, I posted it because it provided me a different perspective on the plight of home ownership. And, but again, you're not answering, why did you post that? Like, who's that encouraging? Right? These things are difficult, but do I trust the God who can provide me a home? Do I, do I trust the God who can provide me a child? Do I trust the God that can provide me a work situation that is safe and fulfilling? Do I trust the God who will provide me with my food every day? Do I trust the God who will sustain my health? Do I trust the God who will protect my children in school? Do I trust that God? I need that faith to hold up. Because the easy way out is to say, he either is not good or he doesn't exist. You've heard it. You all got friends. You all got cousins who don't believe in God, don't believe in your God, will say, how can there be a God if... They were tested, what little faith they had or any faith they had, they were tested. And, it, and unfortunately, what they had was not strong enough. It was sown among the thorns and the rocks, and it didn't get to really dig deep into who God is to see his goodness. And as a result, it wilted. It got choked out. But I want to know that my faith, this faith that I need to be able to have this deep and refreshing and renewing relationship with him. I want to know that it's going to withstand. So in view of that, not that I have a choice, but I go through my trials differently now because I know that it's producing in me an endurance. How many of you know what endurance means? Anybody? That just sounds like a fancy word. It's a workout word. Anybody know what endurance means? Somebody guess. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Anybody else want to build on it? What is endurance? Why do I need it? Because it's saying that the testing of my faith produces endurance. So apparently it's important. But what is it? To keep going. So stick to it in this, to keep going. Say it again. To be resilient. Yeah, for sure. In an exercise fitness context, in a, in a physiology context, endurance is talking about how work can be done over time. How a task can be accomplished, how a movement can be achieved over time. It's the difference in me saying, I can bench press 500 pounds once. That's strength. And it's impressive. But how many reps can I do until I can't go anymore is endurance. Maybe not at 500 pounds. But when I'm doing exercises that make it so that I can last longer, that is producing in me endurance, or in these muscles at the very least, endurance. They can withstand. 
They can continue despite being exhausted, despite lactic acid building up in the muscles, causing them to be stiff. They continue to move. And I can draw oxygen from the blood, which allows my muscles to continue because my muscles have become more efficient as I train them. See, if they're not trained, if they're not tested, your muscles aren't efficient. And you might attempt to do something 10 times and you find, I can't do it. I can only do it three. For me, an example is pull-ups. I can't do a lot of those. Michael's actually seen me attempt them. It's bad. <laughs> it is. But what I do now to test or to, to strengthen or increase my endurance, I now just hang on the bar. Because I want my muscles to get used to that strain so that eventually when I go to pull myself up, that's not so far into my body, right? I'm putting myself under a test. Gravity is pulling on me, but I'm continuing to hold on that bar as much as possible in the hopes that one day I'll be able to pull myself up when it matters. I'm having my faith tested, whether I ask for it or not, in the hopes that I will develop endurance that will mean when situations get difficult, my faith will not fail. My faith in God will not wilt. It will not be insufficient. It'll be all I need it to be. I will not lose my trust in him because he's worthy of that trust. That is why trials matter. No one's asking you to say, yippee, a bad thing's happening. Oh yeah, loving this, great. My tire's flat again, and I am late to work. Ow! No one's asking you to do that. But when you recognize what it's producing, when you recognize that you're gaining an endurance, and let's continue reading. Sorry, I want to leave you out on this. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And do you think it means lacking in nothing that you want in this life, all the material things? No, no. Lacking in nothing essential, truly essential, as deemed by God. Lacking in nothing in regards and pertaining to my knowledge of him. I get to know him. I get to have greater revelation. I get to experience all of the hidden treasure because endurance has made me perfect in that way. Now I respond to trials differently because I look back at previous tests and I go, huh. Every time I was tested and I chose God, I learned something new about him. Every time I was tested and I chose God, I got stronger. Every time I was tested and I chose God, my endurance increased. I gained something far more valuable than the things I may have lost. God's worth it. That hike... It was worth it. I'll show you the pictures afterwards. I don't necessarily want you to come away from this misunderstanding me in this way, that maybe if you're going through something that I'm saying, toughen up, buttercup, it'll be okay. Get over yourself. Stop complaining. God doesn't want to hear your belly aching. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is God's love for you is not to be questioned. God's faithfulness in your life, not to be questioned. You can ask the question, but every time you do, you're going to find he's 
more faithful than you ever thought, more loving than you ever thought, more kind than you ever thought, protects you more than you ever thought he could, that he wants to be with you and he calls you to be his own more than you ever thought he could. You find that the things that aren't worthy of testing, they fall away. So respond differently in your times of test. Respond knowing that he is worth it. Second Corinthians says it this way, and then we'll end because I just told you I wasn't going to be long, and then I ended up being long. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction, and we'll stop there, that is summing up everything you will have gone through. Every difficult thing about this life, no matter how personally trying it may be, everything hard about the human condition, everything that stinks about relationships, current or broken, everything that's challenging about being in family or community, everything challenging about work, everything you will ever face that is difficult is summed up as for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. That's scripture's way of saying that this pursuit and the one we're pursuing, he's worth it. So my encouragement to you, continue. My encouragement to you, continue. My encouragement to you, even though you're going, that sounds easy for you, it's not. Continue. Because you'll find that as you continue to go up these trails, though people are like, you're not going to see what you're supposed to see at the top, you'll find they're wrong, and you're going to see something so amazing that the only response you'll have is, this was so worth it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, God, that you give us the strength to endure, that you give us the ability to see you in trial and in test, to see you as faithful, as kind, to see that your peace and your presence is always available to us and that we're not alone. God, I don't know this to be sure, but I'm going to guess that there are people in this room that are going through really difficult times right now. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give them the strength to continue, that they might see you in a new way, that they might know you to be their God in a way that's even deeper than they know you to be their God right now, that they might know that your love is more than enough. God, I'm asking that you would help them to endure and that they would be perfect in you, lacking nothing in you, having all they need for you. Lord, that this time of difficulty would not be wasted. That is my prayer, Lord, that this time of difficulty would not be wasted, but rather that they will gain strength that only you can provide, that your strength would be made perfect in their weakness. God, this is my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, I do pray. Amen.